Hi, welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie authors on their journey to publication. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katane, and I write multiple genres, including Christian dystopian fiction. I'm Rhonda Hagerman, and I write fiction and nonfiction. Well, thank you, uh, everyone, for tuning in and listening live in the chat. It's going to be really good to see you today. Also, thanks to the listeners on iTunes or any of the other platforms where we make the podcast available. YouTubers, if you like what you see and hear, remember to like and subscribe below. You can also go over to our website and subscribe to the newsletter, which will ensure you never miss an episode of the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. So we start every episode with what we call What's Up? It's where we travel around the virtual table and check in with our hosts to find out what's going on with them in their personal lives. What's up with you, uh, Bambina? I see beautiful backdrop for our year podcast today. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm on my daughter's back porch at the campground. She lives here because she's the program director, but and we're camping. We've been camping since last Saturday, um, but there's not a great signal at the camper, so I had to come sit on this horrible location you poor baby on the back porch and michigan in summertime if you guys i say it all the time it will woo you you visit michigan in the summer you'll think you never want to leave it's so gorgeous there good for you tina what's up with you uh what jen i was gonna say but what about in the winter time you don't feel like that woos people here (laughs) (laughs) not many trying to say about that so i think i'm just gonna change this up (laughs) What's up with you today, Rhonda? Well, um, let's see. Estate sales season is um, in full swing right now. So that's thrilling for me. Did you go somewhere yesterday? Did you find anything cool? Yes. Well, someone had called the museum and said, hey, we're having an estate sale. Do you want to come see if there's anything you want for the museum first? And that never happens. We've had people offer to sell us things before. But yes, this person was very generous. And it was a good day for me and the museum. That's cool. What's like the coolest thing you've ever found, would you say, as far as like something to put in the museum? Well, um, yesterday I was pretty thrilled when I saw the 200-year-old Irish spinning wheel (gasps) that's still in working condition. Um, The wood is just so beautiful from from all those years of lanolin. And uh, so that's the top of the list. Wow. That's kind of like... I know it sounds kind of weird. Cast iron is everywhere now, but if you get an old one that's been really well seasoned and just cooked on for years, it's like you feel like, oh. Yeah, I've never cooked on my spinning wheels before, but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I'll go next. What's up with me? Hey, guess what, everybody? Like, I don't know if you would call it Corona panic, but like I did not have a really panic. Okay, Corona limbo is over at the Hirschberger house. My husband actually has an actual for real job. No more, you know, running around here and there to work this job or that job. He's actually been gainfully employed. Hooray. So I just want to say praise God because it, it's it's been a scary time uh, for us because we just were not sure where the income was going to come from. My husband's industry was just gutted. Um, he was in trade shows, right? He was delivering, and so anyway, it was it was just a really interesting kind of faith walk, and we just want to praise God that now it seems like 
he's off the road, first of all, which is totally weird. I'm being like a normal dinner at four kind of a mom that I've never been in my life, uh, which is great. But it's just so different. Praise God for uh, the good news. What's up with you, Jen? Well, um, first of all, I want to apologize for the big delay this morning and me seeing my name. Um, I had a child, a teenager, on the floor down here trying to get the dog out of here because they, they're here with me today. And I asked them to keep the dogs in the back, but I guess one of them escaped. And it was like, do you guys remember seeing on the news that guy that was doing an interview and his kid came in yeah. and the mom? That's all I could think of was that my daughter was now going to be this person. But it was, I'm sorry about that. that. Would it was so funny. funny. It would have been great, but she would not have thought so. My what's up is that yesterday I got home from the store and my kids were like, oh, look at the back porch. And our glass top table had like imploded. I guess uh, one of my children had put the uh, umbrella up and left it up and it was a little bit windy yesterday and it just tweaked enough to it made the glass top table just explode. And so we've tried cleaning it up and our uh, there's something wrong with our our shop vac and so oh no we even had the the nosy neighbor from next door come over. Are you aware that you have a glass table broken all over your back porch? Really? Uh. Had no clue. So Mrs. Kravitz uh, was for sure letting me know what was going on in my own yard. <laughs> She's got her actual name. I wish. Her? <laughs> no, we call her Mrs. Kravitz and we call her husband Roscoe Pico Train. So <laughs> uh, I don't normally make up names for people, but if you knew these people, you would be in- agreeing with me. So anywho. Okay, so I don't make up names for people like to be mean about them. Right. But what happens is. My family will make up shorthand names for people until we know their name. So someone will be like blue eyes or red hat until we don't know. Until so we go. Hey. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we, uh, yeah, we accidentally nickname people, but never means. So you want to check the chat, the WhatsApp's in the chat, Jen? Would love to. Sage says that she's working her patoot off. <laughs> <laughs> Got her planner, Kanban board. All set. What's a Kanban board? And Kanban. Ooh. Oh, and she karaoke and did all the author tube things last week. So I'm feeling recharged at long last. Oh, Yay. Yay. So glad to hear that. Hey, and Sage, we want to give you a shout out. Um, uh, I know that Rhonda was able to join your live stream earlier this week, and we really appreciate you giving us a shout out and giving us such high praise. We just really appreciate you. That was, that was very well appreciated. Yeah, very appreciated. Robin says that she's helping parents with roof issues, working on promo graphics for the snow white launch. That's exciting. William J says he's editing. It's hard, but necessary. I hear you brother. Can we pause for a moment? I just really want to know if Robin's parents' dogs get really excited when she comes to see. Because, like, didn't she keep their dog for a long time? Like, I really wonder if there's, like, a happy reunion every time she goes to visit. (laughs) So, William J. is editing. Oh, man, yeah. I'm in editing. We need to make a club. Right. (laughs) So we can all join it. Yeah. Shell says, plugging away with writing a little every day, reading a ton of indie fantasy. Oh, and then Sage says, oh, y'all are welcome. I didn't say anything I don't believe. Aw, sweetheart. Uh, Jen, you asked what a Kanban board was. Just yes. to let you know real quick, it's a project management system. And it's super fun because you get to use Post-it notes and move them around through the week. Yes, it's, you will totally love it. You should look it up. Oh, my word. It sounds like my isolation booth. 
It does, yeah. yeah. Uh, Robin says it takes an hour for the stupid dog to calm down. Oh, after oh, it's yeah. like, oh, my friends are here. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm the host. Oops. I guess that means I'm so nice. I'm so used to somebody else being like, so blah, blah, blah. Okay. Do we get everybody's what's up? I'm so lost. Yep. Yes. We're okay, good. great. So today, um, our topic is number four in the Art Imitates Life series. This is inspiration is everywhere. Okay. We're going to talk about not just what we mean when we say inspirations everywhere, but we're going to talk about where, how, and when you can take advantage of this. Okay. So to kick us off, what I would like to do is kind of go around the table again and see if you guys can share a story of how you were inspired in an odd or fun, inspired? Did I just make up a word? Inspired. I think you did, but I like it. Me too. How you were inspired um, in a fun or special way. Who would like, like to be inspired? I know, right? It's well, if you're inspired, maybe there's a lot of perspiration involved in this particular. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, a child just entered my domain. I think that we're fine, though. But are they crawling on the floor trying to get a dog? Because that would be. They are trying to let the dogs out. Okay, but we have like an escape. A prevention mechanism. We tied a deflated soccer ball to the leash for my one dog so he can't get under the fence. Like if he goes, it like stops him. So my That's kid so is like, smart. yes, my kid is looking for the uh, device that we made to uh, keep him in the yard. I won't tell you what we call it. So it's a little bit crude. It's a ball in a sack. So we put those two words together and we call it that. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> But anyway, he keeps he goes under. (laughs) He goes under and then he's stuck. He can't go anywhere. And then he just looks helplessly at us like, help, I'm stuck. And and then he so it keeps him safe and it makes us happy because he can he can dig if he wants. He just can't get away. So anyway, sorry about that, everyone. Okay, so who has a story of inspiratedness? Who's gonna go first? I'm gonna phone told you. All right, Tina, you're voluntold. What is your story of inspiration? I I don't like you said the a, a weird or silly one, but I don't really have that. But I have, uh, um, I we think my favorite my favorite one was I just got in the mood one day to listen to music, and I um really like oh what is his name, Chris something. He's he's a singer, and um he wrote a lot of the famous country songs that you hear on the radio. Okay. He's just like a prolific songwriter. So he was the lead lead singer for this band called the Steel Drivers. And it's like bluegrass. And okay. I was I was listening to the song this one song called Can You Run? And it was basically the story of a slave who um, wanted to run to across the line during the Civil War to get away from the Confederate so um, area and go join the Union. Um, so that's basically what the song was about. And it just mm-hmm. like inspired this whole storyline that I have now. Wow. That's interesting. So when, when you heard the song and then you had the thought and then later when you were about to write that came out or did you race right to the computer to write something? How did that manifest? I really don't know. I think I just started thinking about what that would look like because he was singing to a girl and he was saying, okay. Come on, honey, can you run? Okay. And so I have this whole idea for a story 
based on who was that girl and uh so I don't that's awesome i would love to be yeah i would love to be a songwriter that wrote a song that would inspire somebody to write a novel that's really interesting okay who's next uh Rhonda, you're nodding your head what what is your story of inspiration well i just had a thought you know the story um the song billy joe McAllister. yes 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 i think that was a song before that was a story mm, i think I it think. was mm-hmm. yeah um but anyway so mine's just a little bit different because um, pretty much everything that I write about was inspired by a real life event, whether that's good or bad. Um, <clears throat> but something that inspires me all the time is if I'm writing along and I need to come up with a new character, there is a particular person in my life who I will not mention because they may or may not be listening along with some of their friends. And they just seem to attract the strangest people to, in their life. All of their friends are a caricature of something. And so whenever I want to um, come up with a new character for my book, I think, hmm, let me kind of, you know, swipe through my memory of this person's friends and see who would fit the bill. I love that. Mm -hmm. I just have to ask you if I know this person. Um, I think you've met this person, yes. Okay. The three of you might be in that category. My husband is one of those people, and I realized one sad day that he married me, and everybody he knows is strange in some way. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't think I'm the exception. So it's possible. And it's why he follows me around, just kind of shrugging all the time. Anyway, um, so Jenna. In our chat, we've got some stuff. Sage says that she often gets inspiration from reading news articles. I love to go back into old Mm -hmm. news articles in the time periods that I'm in. So that helps out a ton, too. Mm -hmm. Robin says that she's a book based on the song Locked Away. It involves a lot of torture in the North Korean prison. Ooh, that's yuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Okay, well, I'll go, and then you can go, Jen. Um, I was inspired to write the story about the alien from outer space is disguised as a raccoon from a drain. I don't know what you call them. Those metal tubes that stick out of a ditch and then Culver. Thank you. Oh, that sounds like Culver's. Why would they name their restaurant after a ditch? Oh, it's Culver's with a T. Okay. So yes. So um, I'm going to go to the ditch place to get a hamburger anyway. So, I saw one of those culverts and it had like water trickling out of it. And in my mind, I thought, well, what if an animal came and drank some of it and it was like, I don't know, radioactive. And then it turned them into like some kind of a monster. So in my head, it was like, oh, ha ha, a raccoon could drink that water. And but so now, so the idea was like a radioactive raccoon or something. I don't know. But that's who Corny started out as was whatever this radioactive waste that was coming out of a barrel um, was going to turn into a raccoon. And I, I don't know how it turned into what it ended up being, but that was the inspiration for that character. Did what about that happen you? on our trip up north? No, I actually remember it was on the way to my sister's house. Um, oh, okay. And uh, she lives kind of out Port Huron way. All right. So, Jen, what is your story of being inspired? So I have lots of different ones I could choose, but I chose one that was going to be um, that less about the whole story overall, but just one scene, because I feel like that there's inspiration out there just to help you write a single scene too. 
And I, there is a, um, my house that we're moving out of lives like it's on a corner. Mm -hmm. And so one of the roads, when you're coming up, like from behind my house, there is an open field. Um, Corn is usually grown there. And in the middle of the field is one tree like an old oak tree. And you see this often in Michigan here that like they might if like cleared out for the field for um, for farming probably for hundreds of years ago, maybe. Um, but they'll leave like some trees, like one right there in the middle. And there's this one tree in the middle of the sea of corn. And I remember thinking about that and thinking about, you know, how that tree stayed there and, and what does that even like mean? And that was the inspiration for the opening scene of book three that I'm working on right now. Um, and it has nothing to do with trees or cornfields, but it has everything to do with the strength that that looks like to me and the um, the strength that this woman needs to pull from herself to do what God has her wants her to accomplish in this book. So that's yeah, a so, really great theme also, you know, yeah. that you can play around with. I love that, Jennifer. All right, let's go to chat again. Shell says her son and she were inspired to write an alien invasion after passing through Humansville on Humansville. a road trip. A <laughs> I still just a lot of ideas. Yeah, we have yet to write it. That's yeah. awesome. William J says he got inspiration from reading on newspapers that were started during the French French Revolution. Oh. People keep spreading their political ideas. I'm writing about how revolution would impact free speech. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And Very Bar topical. Barbie says, Rhonda, who could you be talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. Yeah, now I understand what you mean. You three are included. So we oh. are three of the weird people that are attracted yeah. oh. by this. <laughs> I didn't catch that either. <laughs> Every person this person meets is a caricature. Oh, really, Rhonda? <laughs> All right. Anyway, I guess we're not going to hold it against you because it's true. Okay, Thanks. so... Um, we have to move along because we are doing a really good job of being chatty today. So we have to talk next about actual physical places. So we, we picked the airport. Sorry. I understand some of you with the travel ban are like, well, well I can't go to the airport. Sorry about that. We were just trying to think of a place that was going to be quasi universal since we know we have an international audience and we're like, well, every country has an airport. So sorry about that. But we, right. Cause we, our first, our first inclination was Walmart. Yeah, and not everybody. And we knew we would get like slapback from people like in Europe saying Walmart. So yeah, but if you're so, in the United States, there is some prime picking for some some observations in that store. Just yes, saying. there is, and that's what we wanted to do was to kind of shoot off a few ideas of where physically you could go for writing inspiration. And the first one we thought of was the Walmart slash grocery store. Okay. And then we thought of the airport. What are some other places that are rife with inspiration, ladies? The coffee shop. Oh, yes. There's so many different kinds of personalities that come into the coffee shop. Um, and it really is specific to which coffee shop you're in as well. And I also love to go into, we call them Coney Islands here in Michigan. The rest of the United States call them diners. I love to go into a diner and have breakfast and just sit and watch everybody that comes in. The old men that there are there every morning and all they get is a cup of coffee and they stay there for hours. The, um, the young kids who were like out too late last night and come in to get some breakfast and they're not even talking to each other. They're so tired. Like there's just so many different <laughs> personalities. So I like to, I like going to the diner. Or the coffee I shop. saw one yesterday. I really wanted someone to go with me to people watch because it's called crepes and games cafe. Oh, And just the name inspires me. Like mm -hmm. who's going to have crepes and play games? Like, 
Like what kind of people would be in there? Okay. So um, any other location, uh, locations for people watching? Because I've got, I've got one, but it works more sort of transition into the next section. So Ron, you got any more ideas of like where you might go to people watch or any of the other two? No? Um, a lot of times I just go back in my brain. I just um, go back to past experiences and things that I've kind of notate, notated in my mind to write about someday. Okay, which is a really great because I was going to say, like, think outside the box. Um, if you're doing community service somewhere, take a look around because, uh, you know, the coffee shop is going to be a certain level of affluence. And uh, wherever you might be serving in the mission field is going to be a different level, possibly. And it brings us into the how. How do you, you know, sort of like, I guess the word scrutinize. I mean, you don't want to objectify people. And this is why I want to use the mission field as sort of a, because, I mean, when you're when you're observing the conditions or the uh, situation a person is, it's it's important to be like a fruit inspector. You're just noticing without judgment. You're noticing um, the color of their eyes, the, the, their, their words, their posture. And you're not making a judgment. You're just being very analytical like you would be if you were a researcher and you were just observing the behavior in the, in the field, right? Because you want to make, these are human beings and you should be loving them, first of all. And if you're busy loving them, you're going to get a good impression of them anyway, so, you know, it's, they're not just objects. Does that make sense to anybody? Yeah, I think that's a great point to make so that it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like we're sitting around judging people. Not at all. People watching is not at all a judgment, a place of judgment. It is a place of just observing God's creation and how different we all are. And just. Yeah. And if you, that. right. If you wanted to be very systematized about it, you could look for specific things and you could even have Bujo pages or something that say, okay, so like when my sister, she was paid to, watch animals in the zoo, or maybe she was just an intern, but she had to write down like locomotion is like, how did the bird, how does the bird move? So did the bird put one foot in front of the other, or did the bird hop with both feet? So it's like those kinds of things you want to pay attention to. You might want to have posture, right? And then you write notes about the posture. But if you have certain things you're going to be looking for, um, and you're armed and equipped with that ahead of time, it makes the how a little bit easier. Would you ladies agree? Yes, I love the system to systematize it um, because I also think that, would you guys agree that your genre might make a difference too? Like for me, I love going to the restaurant and people watch at the restaurant for, on date nights because I write oh. romance. I can like, I like to look around and try to figure out, okay, first date, uh, been married forever, um, don't even like each other anymore. You know, like I, I, <laughs> I like to look at things like that. And there were some suggestions here in the chat. Barbie said the Secretary of State, which for other people outside of Michigan, that would be the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles. And Sage agrees. She said municipal offices. Um, so your government offices going to the courthouse. But that would be very specific to what you're writing about, right? If you're writing um, a YA that is about high schools, you don't need to go down to the courts where they're doing traffic uh, violations. You know, so like I think being very systematized about where you're going and what you're looking at would be a, a good suggestion as well. Ooh, yes. Robin says the waterfront. That is a good one. Tourists, locals, bicycles, segways, restaurants. Yeah, all all that is all good. Grumpy Harbor Pilots. <laughs> I wonder if she's talking about anyone specific. And I would, <laughs> I would 
think that what would be important would be for you to uh, like why what kind of inspiration if you're looking for characterization you're going to people watch if you're looking oh, for general no. story ideas you're just trying to put yourself in an environment where things happen so that something could happen or something could occur to you that would make a good story right right because that was a bird I don't know if you guys heard oh. that or not <laughs> um excuse <laughs> me wow um, yeah, because like some people, you might be looking for, um, might specifically be looking for something like me when I go to a restaurant that's kind of a romantic restaurant, or like Jamie, Jamie wasn't looking for a story idea when she saw the culvert, so you have to be open for both things, right? So you okay, can so with it, or just kind of be open. I'm so glad you said that, because when I was inspired, I was not ready. So how do you be ready? Do you guys carry a notebook with you? What do you do when inspiration strikes? And you don't want it to be one of those ideas that never gets written. So how, do, how, oh, what are you doing, Jen? I see you holding up your phone. That's, That's what your I plan. use. Yeah, what I, you do, exactly. Back in the, yeah, back in the day, I, I think I always had like a little notepad or whatever, but on my phone, I um, have like a little note-taking app. And for two things, first of all, sometimes I take pictures and I mm. save them and I can put those pictures in my note-taking app. I have an Android phone, so it is called Keep. Um, and then also in Keep, I can dictate into it. It's not great, though, as I found out this week when I came up to one of my last chapters of the book and I had dictated the entire thing and months ago and I had to figure out what I was actually saying, which was hilarious. So my one piece of advice would be if you dictate into your phone, immediately type it out when you get home because yeah. not know. <laughs> you might not know what in the world you were talking about but yeah i always That's use my weird. phone because I, um it, it's, it's always with me Rhonda, do you also do electronic or are you a more old school do you bring your bujo around do you jot ideas what do you do to keep track of your inspiration um i always carry my bujo around with me and even though i've um in the last week or two i've gotten really sloppy with my daily actual use of the bujo um, I always have it with me to write inspiration down for not just writing, but other things I'm inspired for. Um, so I have sections in a notebook that I've always got with me for um, genealogy thoughts, decorating thoughts, writing thoughts, and that. Well, and Rhonda, I just, I'm going to say, I agree with you about writing down with pen and paper. And I also want to say that it is possible to have an accidental bullet journal. So what you do is you just fill a notebook with all of your thoughts and inspirations, and then you go back later and put the table of contents. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen to me. I have this whole notebook where I've just been jotting down random crap. And so mm -hmm. someday when the notebook is full, I'll go in and I'll say, here's what's on whatever page. But yes, I think having some kind of a commonplace book or an app on your phone is really critical. Wouldn't you say anybody else have anything to say about how to document this inspiration? Well, I'm um, kind of the pariah here, I guess, because I don't write anything down. I don't take notes. I just, um, when I see something, I just let it make an impression on me mm -hmm. in my mind. And so then, you know, I did a lot of traveling when I was a teenager. Um, my dad worked for an oil company and we lived overseas and we did a lot of, <coughs> sorry, a lot of traveling. And so since I was in it, I was like 13 and I wasn't in charge of, you know, like my mom was busy, like making sure we were where we were supposed to be and all that. So I, how I had to do was kind of absorb everything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and then when I absorb something that inspires me, I kind of replay it over and over in my head, and then I'll play with different ideas because like I feel like I always have a story going on in my head. Um, yeah. I, I used to make the comment that I think in narration. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll take that, whatever it was that made an impression on me, and I'll play it over and over in my head, and I'll like play with different ideas with it. And by that time, I've repeated it so many times in my head that I really don't need to write it down. Mm-hmm. So, but I've not, I mean, I think maybe there's twice that I actually tried to write stuff down that I observed, and it just kind of fell flat when I went back and looked at it. So. I hear you. The the thing that I have to be the most careful about is to write down those middle of the night thoughts and be careful about it because, you know, you're like, oh, I got this wonderful thought last night. And you look at, you know, your notes and it says like squirrel tattoo bandit or something. And you're like, (laughs) what? What was I even thinking? I don't know. So, uh, you know, I mean, then I just kind of feel like, oh, well, that just was meant, that thought was just meant to go down the drain with the whole bunch of other never to make it to paper. And that's something that y'all have to be okay with too. Not every idea is a good idea and that's okay. I know it's really hard when you're first starting out and you don't even have anything published and you feel like, but I just keep writing all of these words and it feels like a waste of time because nobody else is reading it. But it's never a waste of time to exercise your writing muscle. It's just like karate or playing the guitar or anything else. If you don't do it, you never get better. So find reasons to write. Get out there and get inspired. And that's enough of my soapbox. So um, are we all hearts clear on the actual topic for today? Shall we move on? All I want to say for a final thought is do it right now. When you observe something, when you see something and it makes you either giggle or makes you think, oh, I should put that in a story or oh, that's an interesting character or, oh, I love that scene. Put it in your phone, write on a scrap paper, on a napkin, something, um, because you will forget it. Like, at least I will. I'm not like Tina. Like, And I mentioned that app earlier. I've gone through it before and seen things I wrote a year ago. And I'm like, I forgot about that. And then I'm able to pull it out and put it in something. So write it down, keep it. You'll be able to use it eventually, I think. All right. So moving on to the feeding of the backs. The what? Well, it's just, you know, we talk about giving feedback, giving feedback. And so at the end of someone's turn of giving feedback, I would look at them and say, is your back well fed? In other words, can we move on to the next person or do we need to spend some more time on your story? So we are going to do the feeding of the backs here, which means we all share a piece of unedited work. That means we all play nice and we give positive, encouraging feedback because If we expect you to write every day, we're not going to then tell you, not like that, some other way. No, you're going to write every day and it's going to be whatever it is. And that's why we do this. So who would like to go first? Oh, Jen. Jen, who I always pick on to go first. How could I forget? So Jen, what was the prompt today? Today's prompt was, imagine you're at the airport, write exactly what you see. And I'm very disappointed with mine today because I started writing and then all of a sudden I realized, oh, I should have wrote about my older couple, like, and them having to deal with masks and all of that in the airport. And so this is a different couple uh, of a kind of a story idea novel that's been floating out there for some time now. But um, anyway, he missed the entrance. Jace's eyes never left his phone screen. He knows what he's doing. He drives here all the time. 
Well, do you think he's distracted? I don't want to miss the plane. Impossible, Jay said casually. What do you mean? I mean that the plane won't leave until we get there. Ha, Jamie laughed. Why, because you're the great Jace Connors? What pilot would dare fly off without you? Jace finally put his phone down his phone and tilted his head toward Jamie. If he wants to get paid, he won't. Before Jamie could say another word, the driver pulled to a stop. Jace sat up and picked up his bag, then reached for hers. I can carry my own, Jamie protested, but Jace was quicker. Jamie's door opened and Jace nodded in its direction. After you, madame. More than a little annoyed at Jace's continued use of false gallantry, Jamie slid out of the SUV and found herself in the middle of a runway. Smaller than the commercial ones she was accustomed to flying, this front runway was void of people and planes, except for the one private jet and the three people that stood outside of it. Good morning, Mr. Connors, the man in the dark uniform said. Daniel, Jay said with a nod. How's the weather? Clear. As soon as you're settled, I'll let the tower know. Jace nodded, then extended an arm that held his own bag toward the plane. Your chariot awaits, my lady. It was at that moment that Jamie realized she was frozen in place with her mouth agape. She swallowed hard. You you own your own plane? Three, two, one. Yay, they're off the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer wrote this couple onto a mountain. They were hiking or something and then left them there. And she never went back to the story. And I was like, poor Jamie is left on that mountain. They're probably starving by now. So I'm so glad to hear they got onto an airplane. Yay, I love them. Jamie and I wrote our Jamie and I sprinted a couple of summers before Jamie moved when my washer and dryer broke and I had to go to a laundromat. She met me over there and while I was doing laundry and we worked at this little table and sprinted. And so that's where this story kind of came from. He's supposed to be a famous actor and she's supposed to be, I think, a writer. I don't even remember. Yeah, she was a writer and she yeah. was there for a book signing and she um, thought that she was hot stuff and he was just some kind of a peon. She didn't know he was like famous no, soap opera the op- guy. The opposite. He the thought opposite. he was the hot stuff. Right. And then he was the draw. And then she doesn't even know who he is because she doesn't watch like TV and stuff, right? Right. She has right. no idea. And all these old ladies he thought was me fawning all over him because he's a soap opera star or something were there because of her. Oh, you, have to write this book. you have to write this book because it's so I good. Know. The beginning part is done. Like, I've read it. Anyway, kind of, yeah. enough of that. Okay. Yeah. Good job, Jen. I Thanks. loved it. Forgot about your positive feedback. Yay, they're it, off the mountain. Yes, they billionaire <laughs> romance, kind of, but he's like an actor, so. Oh, yeah. Piper said she can't comment today, but she did. She is listening. Yay, Piper. Hi, Piper. Yep. Okay, sorry. So anyway, um, way to go, Jen. Anyone else want to give Jen some food for her back? Um, that was great. I don't remember the beginning of the story when you wrote this before, mm-hmm. but I like it. Um, it. I'm always curious. When a woman turns a guy's chivalry away, why is she doing that? So I don't know. Maybe if I heard the beginning of this. I would understand that maybe he's already been rude to her or something. I so I'm just, I'm curious to know more about this couple. Me too. <laughs> it was a sprint. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, <start laughs> well, you did a great job. I mean, I, I understood that he was like rich and she was not aware that he was rich. And mm-hmm. Her, her, uh, was her like giving him a hard time about, Oh, the plane's just going to wait for you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that. that was, and then he didn't even say anything. And then she sees he's got his own plane. Like, that was great. Thanks. Yes. Rhonda, whenever I see a rebuff of gallantry, I figure I figure there's a relationship. Uh, it is a symptom. It is a symptom of a deeper 
uh, yes. issue. Yes, that's, yes. So I think that's what you're saying, Rhonda, is that that intrigues you, right? Like you want to know yeah. more about this relationship. Yeah. Right. Very good, Jennifer. Way to hint around that all is not wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Awesome. Okay. So uh, who's going to go next? Um, how about Rhonda? Why don't you go next, Rhonda? Okay. Um, all right. I'll just read it. I glance at my watch again, still 3.30. The hands haven't moved for at least 15 minutes. I'll bet I can get a battery at that kiosk down there. We passed a promising one just before we made it to the terminal. Hey, what time is it? I nudge my husband, who as usual is trying to get some shut-eye before our long flight home. Since he never actually succeeds at napping in the airport, I don't feel bad for making him open his eyes to look at his watch. He sighs and irritably looks down at the large watch face with all the dials, but answers the question. Exactly two minutes since the last time you asked me. So you tell me. He shuts his eyes again without waiting for an answer. So my watch actually did stop, I cheered. I tapped on the crystal of my antique wristwatch, which was really too tiny and delicate for my farm girl wrist, but it was the watch Grandpa gave me. I smiled at the memory. His daughters used to complain that they had to buy their own watches due to the cobbler's kids have no shoes rule, but he gave me a watch. Oh, but it only died nine minutes ago, I whined. I'm walking down to that kiosk right back there to see if they have a battery. The end. Okay, so there are a couple problems with this. First of all, it's an antique watch. So there's no battery. <laughs> uh, I'll work on that later. <laughs> That's you awesome. Know what? I love it. Yeah, Rhonda, like, I love that that watch is too delicate and dainty for my farm girl wrist. Mm. Like, if there was a relatable sentence ever in the world, this is mm. mine. Like, I, that's so relatable because people buy you this dainty jewelry and you're like, oh, thanks. Let me just wrap <laughs> yeah. it around my meaty trunk and <laughs> have it disappear into a roll somewhere never to be seen again. <laughs> But it's like, I appreciate the gesture. So I'm like, you, I'll wear that SOB no matter what. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh. All right. So, whatever oh, I your coffee this morning, Jamie, I want some. Oh, wow. Actually, I have. No, Tina, you do not need any. You do not need any what's in her coffee. <laughs> All right, I'll go next. Um, but I will tell you, Rhonda, you didn't. You did great. I mean, unlike me, like you're like, oh, there's a lot of problems with this. I'm, I thought it was wonderful because right away it's like, what is Rhonda going to talk about? It's boring to wait for your flight, and I just almost immediately start cracking up because instantly it's like this character is bored, and you know it, and you are there, right? Mm -hmm. Any other feedback before I blab? Some I love the reviews? sleeping husband. Yeah, mm. like that whole description of sleeping husband was so spot on. And how she knew it was okay to interrupt him because he never falls asleep. <laughs> yeah. The futile attempt to sleep in the airport. Yeah. I may yeah. or may not travel a lot. I was just going to say that. Like, it was so apparent that you travel often because it, it just felt like I was there. So, loved it. All right. So, it is apparent that I don't know how to follow directions. So, um, I will read mine. Although, maybe I better not because, oh, here it is. Sorry, I lost it for a minute. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> I ended up writing about what I hear, not what I see. I don't know why. So here oh, we that's go. good, though. I don't know. Okay. There is nothing quite like the sound of a multitude of people in a building with a high ceiling. Human voices and footfalls combine to provide a low gurgling rumble like the engine on a road trip set to cruise control. Even the sound of the room itself seems present, not just in the hum of the powerful HVAC systems, 
but also in mysterious cubbies, like the dugout space between the restrooms where the metal bench awaits another board or weary bottom, and corners like the one spot you've carved out for yourself in that little place where the two windows come together that seem impervious to the press of human sound. Often carpeted with a soffit or archway or other architectural element which brings the ceiling considerably lower, these precious islands of quiet seem a safe place, safe place from which to view yet not partake in the craziness around you. On occasion, a single sound pierces the echoing rumble of sound, a child's shriek, a woman's laughter, or sometimes the chirp of an opportunistic sparrow who's made his way into this predator-free zone of freely given fast food tidbits. One such shriek has just occurred, and you look up to see a leashed toddler jogging in a staggering, meandering path toward a woman who appears old enough to be his grandmother. She confirms your suspicion by calling him grandma's best boy and pinching his cheeks before swiping at his face with a licked thumb. He wears a backpack shaped like a monkey, and the tail is serving double duty as a leash, the other end of which is attached to the wrist of a very bedraggled but very happy-eyed young woman whom you presume is the mother to the child. Did you have a good flight? Grandma asks. Slept the whole way, the younger woman responds, and her bleary red eyes tell you she'd opted to take in the onboard movie or get caught up on her novel rather than sleep when the baby sleeps. The grandmother slips the backpack off the child, hands it to the mother, then takes the child's hand. Three, two, one. Hmm. That was really awesome. I loved it. Really like, was. It was like a, a tour through the sounds of the airport. Yeah. That's but the exactly sounds it. led you. Yeah, the sounds led you to the the vision of it, though, too. You know, yeah. like the, uh, you talked about the the metal seats waiting for the bottom of the next waiter. You know, the person mm -hmm. waiting, and then the just where the sound is echoing off of, and the HVAC and the tall ceilings. Like, I, like I did was not thinking about tall ceilings in an airport, but they all have them. And when you said that, I was all I, I was just like, yeah, I can. I'm there. I can see. I can feel it. Very well done. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Uh, all right. Because, you know, sometimes you're in the middle of reading it and you're like, words are coming out and you don't even mm -hmm. know if they made a sentence. Do you know what I mean? No, right. I I love that. Like, I almost feel like I could just stand alone just as an observation, just put it out there. It was very poetically done, I feel mm -hmm. like, just for the simple observation of, of life. Like, I love it. Right. Seriously. It kind of makes me think about when you're writing, the person cannot see what you're seeing in your mind. So maybe visual description is less important than hearing description. Just, it stood out so much in this that I think I'm going to focus on that in my writing. Well, I think my daughter, I mean, you know, sometimes young people say profound things because they're profound, but sometimes young people say things that are profound because they're beginners and they're getting messages from people in their life that you would get if you were a beginner. And I think we forget the basics. And my daughter said to me, what I told, I was complimenting her writing. And she said to me, well, mom, I just write what I see. Because the teacher told me, like, like write what you see. And, and it keeps her from doing things like mistaking uh, tense and things because she's only writing what she can see. And so I think if you, if you narrow the, the, your writing to the perspective of your voice, of your writer, what is that person seeing? And for me, it's what I was hearing. That's part of my experience. So I don't know, whatever. I'm just rambling now. Shell said that she loved the wide view that narrowed down to the specific scene. Really great progression. Agreed. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Awesome.
Awesome, awesome. All right, so we still need to hear Bambinas. Okay, I'm going to read mine, and hopefully this guy in this one-man little plane thing above me isn't going to drown me out. <laughs> and you know, like I said earlier, I've been in a lot of airports because I lived overseas, and so my, all of mine comes from those impressions that I'm talking to you about. Talk to you about. Awesome. A young man was sprawled out in the chair directly facing mine. His legs were in the walkway, and his head was in an awkward cocked position, almost on the armrest. His low-rise ripped jeans were resting on his hips, showing the band of his hanes just above it. He kicked his flip-flops off at some point, and one was under his chair, the other near the foot it had come off of. He had one arm bent awkwardly under his head, and earbud wires dangled from either side. He snored lightly. I wondered if he worried somebody would clean out the messenger bag he wore across his chest while he was sleeping. I suspected if somebody tried, his dreams would not be interrupted in the slightest. I turned slightly in my chair, my mind unable to absorb the words of the book in my hand. It did make a great camouflage for spying on people, though. <laughs> a little blonde-haired boy with suspender shorts and pudgy cheeks was actively picking his nose. He pulled his finger out with the culprit jiggling on top of it. He looked around to see if anybody was watching. His eyes met mine. I lifted my eyebrows. I don't know what it is about me that inspires rebellion in children, but his eyes never leaving mine. He put his finger in his mouth, sucked it clean, oh, and began chewing. Uh, I stifled the urge to laugh. Next to him, his mom was none the wiser, fidgeting with her purse and then her carry-on, then back to her purse again. Her mousy brown perm seemed a bit unkempt, and the floral cotton dress she was wearing could use an iron. Her husband reached out and put a hand on her arm, saying something I couldn't hear and patting her softly as he spoke. She calmed then, putting her purse aside and turning her attention to her son. The husband's work apparently done. He leaned his head back onto the chair and pulled his ball cap over his eyes. His khaki shorts rode up on one side in a way I judged must be quite uncomfortable, but the man didn't seem to notice. Just then, a smart young woman in an airline uniform strode down the aisle in and behind the kiosk. She was intently busy at whatever needed doing back there before lifting the handset and announcing, Boarding for flight 202 to Detroit will be boarding momentarily. Priority passengers handicapped or those with small children will board first. Please have your boarding pass ready. Three, two, one. Okay, my wow. favorite line was, I don't know what it is about me that yeah. inspires rebellion <laughs> in small children. Like, that should be on your tombstone. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Robin just made a bar face. It's so great. <laughs> my, my job was done then. I've... Yeah, all of the uh, grossed out. Yes, all of our chatters are appropriately responding to Tifa's. Yeah, I made them say. Sage says, "In worse, I could see where it was going. Couldn't stop myself from listening anyway. I didn't have a choice. Can't plug my ears when you're one of the hosts. Like, oh, my stomach. I'm gonna say it's my fault. I've been a very bad influence today. I apologize to everyone." If but I it, crossed any boundaries, I really did not mean to. But it is a compliment to your writing, Tina, that I am yes. nauseous right now because yes, that was sure. a completely made up thing that I didn't, that did not actually happen. I'm not looking at someone do that, but right now I'm nauseous because you mm -hmm. wrote it so well. So I mean, it was job. just so well done. Like the whole, I thought about people sitting there sleeping and their bag is open and you mm -hmm. just wonder like, what yeah. if someone came and went rifling? Like, 
like every thought the person had ultra relatable the the shorts i judged the shorts to be rather uncomfortable like how do you say that like you did a really good job Mm -hmm. oh and sorry to go back to jen's writing she also did a really good job of just like saying stuff that needed to be said do you know what i mean like she got on the plane. Like, I don't even know what the sentences were, but sometimes you just got to say stuff. And you guys did a really, really great job. Yeah, we've discussed that offline a few times in the past couple of weeks about sometimes you just have to say stuff and like when to choose to like be more poetic and when just to say they got on the plane. Right. Mm-hmm. So well done. Awesome. Really, really I'm, well done. I'm really sad to find out, though, that my secret spying book isn't as secret as I thought it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's a different book. Maybe. And I love how you said like she was unable to process the words of the book because there is something about traveling brain. It kind of gives you the same feeling that writer's block does, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? It's this weird. I cannot be productive until I get where I'm going is kind of how you feel. Yeah, it's almost like a low level anxiety or something. Mm. Right. And I think because when I travel alone, it's different. But if I'm with children and I have people to bodies to manage, oh, man, I cannot get into a book or something. Okay. My, awesome. my version of the spy book is this. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're taking pictures. Yeah, I know. People think that they like, oh, I, I'm just playing a game, and it's so obvious because you're like. <laughs> That's the reason my phone is gigantic. It's the real reason. All right, so um, we're kind of done now with the feeding of the bats. Oh, I wanted to say, I hope that you all in the chat and anyone listening. We'll take a chance on some of these writing prompts. Look, I I keep saying, if you write every day, you'll become a better writer. And I really mean it. And part of the reason that we do these writing sprints and then share, we share, trust me, we are not the kind of people to normally share unedited stuff. Okay. So we're doing this to inspire you guys to take 15 minutes out of your day and write something, just write anything, use our prompt, use some other prompt, but flex those writing muscles and become a better writer. And when you do, you can share on your blog and then just send us a link. We'd be happy to retweet it or resend it out for you. So why not take a chance? Okay. Um, that's it about the sprints, right? So moving on. Now we have to go around the virtual roundtable again, and we're going to talk about the what's next for our hosts and for those of you listening. If you would like to tell us what's next for your upcoming week, we'd love to hear about it. What's next for you, Tina? Um, well, still camping until Saturday. I guess that's tomorrow. Um, the neighbor's mowing the lawn, so sorry for the noise. And um, continuing editing my book. Yeah, big work there. We're all editing. So she went mute to make sure we don't hear the lawnmower. What's next for you, uh, Jen? Uh, editing. Yes. Editing. And I'm so close. But I also, I'm kind of toying with the idea of maybe doing some sort of July Nano thing. I don't know. I have, like, just writing that thing today makes me, my sprint today makes me think, I've got all these little stories out there that are kind of mostly outlined, um, and I should just try it. So I think over this next week, by next Friday, well, I'm going to have to by next Friday, because it'll be already July by then, right? Oh, my word. Yeah. Um, um, so I will be able to report next Friday whether or not I've decided to do a, a nano project or not. So I'm curious. Is anyone else thinking about doing a nano project? Any of the four of us? Well, I will. I let's talk about that since my I'll do my what's up. Um, I did not think about a right way to talk about my book, whatever. But I've got a lot to do. It turns out there's a lot of crafting that has to happen, a lot of actual writing that has to happen because I really only had fragments going. So 
I'm considering making July a commitment to finishing this project, whatever I want to say, you know what I mean? So -hmm. that would be, that's what this kind of, like, tell me, you can set your own goals, right? Like, tell me how this is different than November. Yeah, Camp Nano. So Camp Nano, uh, NaNoWriMo in November, the the whole point is to write a novel, 50,000 words in one month. The Camp Nanos in April and in July, you get to set your own goals. So you could do another 50,000, you could do 30,000, you could do an editing project. There's lots of different ways of doing it. And if you go to their website, it's much more clear. So it's campnanorimo.org, I believe. So um, I never have any trouble doing the actual work of Camp Nano, but I'm bad at the social part. Like we tried to have I a know. cabin and I fail at going in there and talking to people. So, I mean, the cabin part, probably I'm not going to bother with, but okay. um, I think I will do a project. So um, it will be committing to get this book done. Right. Um, for Sage, July. Sage says her what's next. She's going to do a cleaning my clearing my slate stream tomorrow. I don't know what time yet. So I can get all my stuff sorted for July. That's good. Oh, my poetry book is free on Kindle this weekend. That's awesome. How do we find it? How do we oh, find yeah. Yeah, can how she we put find a link it? in the chat? Uh, they don't won't do links, but she could tweet us a link if she would, okay. and then we can retweet it. What's next is, uh, is for Robin is she's going to launch Snow White, hopefully. Oh, right. Yay. That's so great. Wow. Yeah. Good job. That's a very fast turnaround. Good job. Oh, right. real quick. Robin says that, that camp is now – camp. Um, Nano is now blended with the same website as Nano. Hmm. That makes so much more sense than how they use it. Oh, that's so so much better. Okay, so Shell says, what's next? More of the same, 200 words a day, and summer reading challenge. I want to write a fantasy series, so I'm reading tons of indie fantasy this summer to get an idea of what's actually out there. That is the best advice if you Mm -hmm. want to switch into a new genre. Or even and when you're writing, you should stay within your genre when you read it. It just helps it so much better. So Sage says she can't link it, but it's Silk Flower Goodbye. She said she'll tweet us. Great. Yay. All right. Well, that's really awesome. And I just want to say, I'll go and I'll look over at NaNoWriMo because now since there's changes, maybe Mm -hmm. there's something a little more, like it just didn't feel interactive enough. I don't know how to explain Mm -hmm. to you. It's like you have to go every day to check and Mm -hmm. see if you have a message and then you respond to the message, but I'm not going to sit around all day to wait. Like it's not instant the way that a feed a Facebook conversation can be, and it just right. still feels isolated. Like you're trying. I don't know. So like, anyway, you're talking about the cabins, right? Yeah, so yeah. Like, maybe if we were to do something on our Facebook page, because we meet together for office hours every day, Monday through Friday, anyway. Maybe if we were to do something on our Facebook page where we like showed up and went live just real quick and checked in and was accountable to everybody, that would be make more sense for us. Yeah, better than, than a doing cabin. a cabin. The cabins were not did not work for us. So all right. So by Friday we'll figure out what we want to do as far as accountability that way, maybe Jen. And then yeah. maybe you and I can make a pledge to check in this this many times or something. And then we'll see what Rhonda and Tina feel about it once we've decided, right? Because we're the ones saying that we're going to commit. So no reason to rope them into our shenanigans unless they're on board. (laughs) Well, Rhonda hasn't done her What's Up Next. Oh, so so Rhonda, are you doing a a project for July, Camp Nano? Before you say that. I am now. Before you say that. Barbie says, up next, visit with my friends for more inspiration. So she's getting you ready for July. Yeah, And I'm just saying, my husband has been talking about how he needs to get me up to Michigan. So we need to all be thinking about some kind of, maybe for like a 100th special or something like that. Because episode 100 is coming. Oh my gosh, it is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Anyway, sorry, I sidetracked us. So what's your what's up, Rhonda? 
or what's next? What's next? My what's next is uh, last week was an experiment in time for me. So I was pretty specific about a schedule throughout the whole day. And I really stuck with it. And I made a lot of progress. Good for and you. It's not just in my writing, but in like getting unpacked and just everything all together. So I feel like I'm on a good trajectory right now that I would like to continue. And um, I'm going to try to get, I went a little easy on myself during office hours this week. So next week, I'm going to try to double my productivity during office hours. All right. I, I'm on board because, yeah, I, I had a couple of days where I couldn't come. And I feel like I've really not done as much work as I could have this week. So I'm with you, girl. I think that maybe the Camp Nano is just what I need to help propel me to the end. So anyway. Um, all right, Rhonda. So are you going to do a project? Do you have something in mind? I mean, I know you're like, well, it looks like I am now. Or are you going to have to think about it? Um, I'm going to see if I can wrap up my not have it completely edited and ready, ready for publishing, but just a final draft done on my um, nano project from November. All right. Is that the story that I gave you some uh, feedback on or is this something different? That is the same story. Yeah. Yay. I love that story. Okay, great. Okay. So uh, did we get, we got Tina's cause she had the lawnmower and then she had to go quiet. Okay. So we got everybody's what's next. All right. So any other thoughts? All hearts clear for this episode? There's another one in the can. <laughs> All right. So um, I suppose that concludes this episode of the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. Until next week, may your pen be prolific. May your deadlines be met. And may all of your words honor Christ. Bye now. Bye, everyone. Bye.